you're listening to another inspirational message from Bell Road Church. If you live in the North Phoenix area and are looking for a church community, we'd love to have you join us. It's a great place for the whole family where you can have fun and grow closer to Jesus. For more information, visit us at www.bellroadchurch.com. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Anybody glad to be here? Good. I'm glad to see you. Thank you, all of you that are joining us online as well. We are in the series through the book of Philippians, which is more accurately a letter. It's called Joyful. That's what it's called. (laughs) Joyful no matter what. Don't you want to be someone who's full of joy no matter what you go through? Doesn't that sound good? That's our hope. That's our prayer. We've been loving this series. So I'd love for you to grab your Bible and go to Philippians chapter 3. That's where we're at. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And Philippians chapter 3 is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. There's a lot of chapters in this book. Philippians chapter 3 is at the top. I love what Paul says I just, it motivates me. It stirs faith inside of me. You kind of get a little insight into the psyche of Paul or really what motivates him, what he is all about. You can see he is all about Jesus. So chapter three is just, it's great because it shows us that Paul's not passive in his relationship with Jesus. He's very passionate. After decades of following Jesus, he still has a heart and a passion to get closer to Jesus. And I pray that that would be our desire, our passion as well. So let's dive into this. Philippians chapter three, here we go, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. I read those verses again this week in preparation for today. And I felt like the Spirit of God was speaking this to me. Is it Tyrone? Press on. Press on. You ever had this moment where you're reading God's word and something just jumps out at you and you just know like that is for me right now. It was one of those moments for me in in a week that to be honest was pretty tough. Anybody have a tough week? Anybody go through some stuff? Okay, this was God speaking saying, Tyrone, press on. Did you notice Paul said that twice in that passage there? Two times he said, I press on. And I want to encourage you today with with these words, press on. You ready to receive this? I think this is a good word for this season right now. I'm just here to say, press on. You can do it. You can make it. Yeah, this season's going a little bit longer than we thought. But I'm here to say, press on. We don't have all the answers. We don't have everything figured out. We don't know what exactly the future holds, but I'm here to tell you, press on. 
Parents, can I encourage you right now? The school year's getting ready to start. It's going to be another hard and crazy school year. Parents, I'm feeling for you. We're in it with you. Can I just say right now, as it begins, for some this week, press on. We need to really pray for the teachers this year, okay? Let's, let's just speak blessing and encouragement over the teachers. Teachers, we love you. We need you. Press on. If you're a homeschool parent, you're like doubly, like which might be a lot of us this year. It could be all of us this year. Who knows? Press on. That's my encouragement to us. Right now, we need to hear this message. And maybe you feel overwhelmed. Maybe you feel like, I don't know if I can make it. I, I, I don't know. I feel like throwing in the towel. I'm not sure I'm cut out for this. My encouragement to you is press on. You know what I love about Paul? Is Paul knew how to press on. He was a dude who never, ever quit. I love what he wrote in 2 Corinthians 11. Maybe you've read this before, but this is him giving a list of all the things that he's gone through in life. This is fascinating. So look at this here. But whatever they dare to boast about, I'm talking like a fool again. I dare to boast about it too, Paul says. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? Sorry, I skipped ahead. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number, been faced and faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes, which you got to understand the significance of that. It was said that 40 lashes would kill a person. So they would stop at 39 so that the person was not dead, but almost dead. Basically, that was the goal. They're going to be almost dead, but not quite dead. Five times he experienced 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and robbers. He goes on and on and talks about more stuff. And I mean, you get, you kind of get the point. Like Paul went through stuff. He went through it. So think about this for a moment. If you could have an opportunity this afternoon to sit down with Pastor Paul and tell him everything that you're going through in life right now, what would Pastor Paul say to you? Oh, you're going through that, huh? Well, that sounds pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll never forget this, uh, the, 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 the fifth time I was experiencing those 39 lashes. That, that was tough. And we could maybe, well, I'm going through this too, you know, there's also this going, oh, yeah, that sounds pretty rough. Did I ever tell you about the, that entire day and night that I was floating on some, some boards in the middle of the ocean? Or the third time I was beaten with rods. Ever told you that story? If we would share with Paul what we're going through, Paul would be like, uh, really? You ever heard of a, a one-upper? You know who a one-upper is? Someone who like you share a story and they're like, oh, that's nothing. Let me tell you about what I've done, what I've experienced. Well, this happened to me, you know, and then someone else shares a story. Oh, that's nothing. And they always like to one-up people. They got a better story, a better experience, a better whatever, right? It's the one-upper. And sometimes those people can be a little bit annoying, so don't be a one-upper. But I feel like Paul could legitimately be a one-upper. Oh, you've gone through that, huh? Well, let me tell you about what I've gone through. I was stoned and left for dead. Paul went through some stuff, and he never gave up. I think it's safe to say that Satan hated Paul. Would you agree with me? Like, there's no way that Satan 
He couldn't stand him. The truth is this, Satan hates everybody, but he really hated Paul. There was one point in in Saul's life when when Paul was Saul that that Satan had Saul in the grip of his hands. He had him under his control, really. And this is when Saul went around persecuting the church and throwing Christians in, in, in prison, even having them executed. But then Saul had an encounter with Jesus that changed his life forever. That's what I love about Jesus. When, when you experience his power, truly, it changes your life forever. All it takes is one encounter with Jesus to change your life. Saul had one encounter with Jesus. It changed his life. Then he becomes one of the key leaders in the first century church. He ends up writing all these things in the New Testament, like this letter of Philippians that we're reading right here. And everywhere he went, though, he experienced major opposition. You can tell that the enemy was trying to get him to, to throw in the towel and to give up. One story in Acts chapter 16, where Paul goes into the city called Philippi, which is, you know, again, this is, this, he's going in to start a church, to plant a church to the people that he's writing this letter to now years later. Do you know what happened to Paul in Philippi? He was arrested by the crowd. They stripped him and Silas. They beat them. They severely flogged them and they threw them in prison and they're chained in prison. Then what did they do? How did they respond in prison? Paul and Silas didn't get into the like, the woe is me, the complaining, the like, I can't believe this. I didn't plan on this. You know, God, where are you kind of a deal. What they did is they got the praise on. They started worshiping. And Paul and Silas are worshiping Jesus and the entire prison can hear them worshiping Jesus. And the Bible says there in Acts 16, in the city called Philippi, that the ground shook, the chains fell off and Paul and Silas were able to walk out free. I love that. Even though they found themselves in a place they didn't want to be, they still worshiped Jesus. And I want to encourage you and I to do the same thing right now. Yes, you're in a place you don't want to be. Yes, this is tough. This is hard. This is difficult. Everybody's going through something. Let's keep worshiping him. Don't quit. Get your praise on. Okay? Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. It's easy for us to fall prey to worship at the altar of our circumstances. But we want to worship Jesus, who is above our circumstances, who is above everything. We want to keep our worship him. I know it's difficult. I know it's tough. Again, this season is going a lot longer than we anticipated, right? It's kind of like four weeks ago, we felt like, oh, we're coming to the end. Oh, man, praise God. And someone grabbed a bike and said, hop on this bike. This isn't a marathon. This is a triathlon. You got to go 150 miles on your bike. And you're like, no, no, we're coming to the end. You know, like... We thought we were coming in this marathon. It's a triathlon. Then we got to jump into the water and swim however long they swim in a triathlon, 50 miles. And it's like, this is never going to end. God, where are you? It's kind of how it feels, right? Huh. Don't stop worshiping Jesus. Keep worshiping him no matter what. I love this promise. Let me remind you of this promise in Psalm 16. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And that's what happens when we begin to really worship him, put all of our heart and our attention uh, upon him. We can experience his presence and his presence. There's fullness of joy. Have you lost your joy right now? God wants to fill you with joy no matter what you go through. But we need to get into his presence. This last Tuesday, like I said, I had a a rough week. Some of you raised your hand, you're with me. Uh, Last Tuesday, was really a, uh, it, was a, it was a low, low day for me. And uh, it was tough, tough for me to hold my head up. 
and Amy and the prayer team, a mighty prayer team that we have here at our church, they scheduled a prayer meeting, so I figured I better go. I better show up. I'm like the pastor. It'd probably be good for me to be at the prayer meeting. So I show up to the prayer meeting Tuesday night, and I'm telling you, man, people started praying. It was so encouraging. The presence of God was there, and I began to experience joy like I hadn't felt all day long, and I'm thinking, God, I needed this. I needed this. It's amazing what happens when you and I take time to just stop and just get in the presence of God and say, God, I need you. I need you. In his presence, there is fullness of, of joy. Thank you. Is, is it that obvious? Okay. <laughs> I think I might be losing my voice because I went for it in first service too, but I'm going to keep going for it. You with me? You with me? Talking about pressing on, okay, pressing on, okay. Paul's a guy who pressed on, right? So that happened in the city of Philippi, another place. He got drugged outside the city and, and they stoned him to death. I'm like, he is dead on the ground. God raises him up. And what does Paul do? Turns around and marches right back into the city, begins to preach the gospel again. What would you and I do? Be like shaking the dust off our feet, like forget you, people. We'd be like, you know, you hurt my feelings. You don't care. I'm going on, you know. And Paul's like, I'm going back to preach the gospel to this city again. You know, I think that Satan hated Paul, not just because he preached the gospel, not just because God used him to perform miracles, but I think Satan really hated Paul because Paul didn't quit. No matter what he went through, he never gave up. He never threw in the towel. Paul continued to have this mindset of, I press on. I just press on. I just press on. That's my word for us today. I know you might feel like throwing in the towel. I know you might be discouraged, tired, weary, but I'm encouraging you to press on. Press on. Press on. You with me? Mm. We're all going through something, right? <laughs> Everybody is. So here's my encouragement. Since you're going through it, why don't you grow through it? I love having this growth mindset. I think we should all have this growth mindset. Whatever I go through, since I'm going through it, I might as well grow through it. I didn't ask for this. This isn't the most pleasant of seasons. There's good seasons, thankfully. Then there's tough seasons. So since I'm going through something, I might as well grow through it. Whatever you go through, grow through it. It's my encouragement to you right now. This is a season where, where you and I, we could give up, we could throw in the towel, or we could make a decision and say, God, whatever you have for me, I want to receive it, and I will grow. That's the mindset of someone who says, I'm going to press on. I'm not going to give up. I will not quit. I'm going to keep moving forward. Press on. So Paul says, I press on. I'm not quitting. And I just pray that we would have that same commitment, that same passion, that same drive, that same mindset. No matter what, I press on. So let's start this message here. Let's go back to verse 12. Verse 12, we started where we started, right? So let's look at this again. And I want to just kind of quickly walk through this. We can capture as much as we can. There's so much we're not going to capture, but capture a lot of this. Verse 12 says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I love those words. Paul is reminding us who we belong to. We are his. He, when you and I say yes to him, begin following him, put our faith and our trust in him, 
We are his. He has made us his own. It's important we have a proper perspective of that conversion. Paul really is referring back to his conversion, which you can read about in Acts chapter 9. It was radical for him. But we got to have a proper perspective of what this really means. When I say yes to Jesus and commit to following him, I don't just have a new belief system. Oh, now I believe in you, Jesus. You are real. I, I, I do believe in you. I want to follow you, but I'm still going to live life my own way. No, I actually am embracing a whole new lifestyle. I now belong to him. I am his. And so I'm putting Jesus at the center of my life. He's my, my savior, my Lord, my king, my boss, my leader. My life becomes all about him because I belong to him. It's important that we have that proper understanding of what it really means to be a follower of Christ. So I'm, I'm in him. And so that's what Paul is saying. I, I, he's taking hold of me and I'm just going after him. I wanna take hold of him as much as I possibly can as well. Verse 13, brothers, he says, I do not consider that I have made it my own. It's kind of a repeat. He says this several times in this passage we're looking at. And he's referring back to what he had been talking about, which we looked at in those verses last week, but he'd been talking about, I, I desire more than anything to gain Christ. I, I want to be found in him. I want to know Christ, verse 10. And eventually he's, I want to achieve that perfection, which I will never achieve that in this life. It won't happen until I step into eternity. But for now, I'm on this journey of going after Jesus. And so Paul is saying, again, repeatedly, I'm in process. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. And I'm pursuing Jesus. I haven't arrived yet, but I press on. I want as much of Jesus as I possibly can, so I press on. And you can see Paul's mindset is really focused. It's got a singular focus because what he says right after this is he says, here's the one thing that I do. Here's the one thing that I'm focusing on. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's his one thing? His one thing is this. He says, I'm pressing on toward Jesus. I want more of him. I want to get closer to him. I really want to know Jesus. So I press on. That's his one thing. But it's kind of interesting when you read that, you say, I, I, here's the one thing that I do. Then he lists two things. So it's kind of confusing to kind of get. But basically he's shown us this is how I press on. The one thing that I do is I press on, but how I do it is I forget the past and I look forward into the future. I forget the past. I'm letting go of the past. He's referencing Isaiah 43. Uh, you know, forget your former things. I'm, I'm doing a new thing. And so I just want to encourage you to, to have the same mindset where Jesus becomes your number one passion, but you're, you're, you're letting go of the past. Forget the past. It doesn't mean you don't remember everything. You still may have memory of those things, but it does mean you're not allowing your past to determine your present and determine your future. You're not allowing your past to impact you now, which is easier said than done sometimes. See, sometimes we, we find ourselves living in the past. Maybe it's good things like, man, God did this good stuff and I'm still living there, but you don't want to live in the past. God did something awesome in the past. Great. He wants to do something new. Press on in the future. Okay, you got some hurts. You got some wounds. You got some things in the past. Don't keep carrying those. Drop the baggage. Drop the chains. Look to Jesus. Allow him to set you free so you can let go of the past and move forward into the future. Here's the deal. You understand. We are called to be men and women of faith but it requires no faith to live in the past. 
catch that? It, you and I, as people of faith, if we're living in the, fast, that, or in the past, that requires no faith. But if we're going to have this mindset of I'm letting go of the past, I'm letting go, and I'm pursuing this future that Jesus has for me, it does require faith to take those steps, to trust Jesus. I'm living by faith every single day. That's what Paul is saying, and I press on. It's that life of faith. It takes faith to do so. Now, I, I feel like I need to pause here just for a moment and, and speak to many of us who find ourselves in this place where it's really difficult to let go of the past. Some of us find ourselves in a place where maybe we've been really hurt, wounded, and it's hard to move on. Maybe you've made some poor decisions and you've brought some stuff into your life that's not good. You have developed habits, even addictions, and, and you're in a place where you are stuck and you need to be free. And if that's you, I just first want to say this. It's, it's okay. You're okay. God loves you and his grace wants to meet you right where you're at. He has grace for you right where you're at right now. He doesn't want to leave you stuck there. He wants to set you free so you can step into your future. But he wants to help you learn how to let go of your past. And so I just want to encourage you to check out this really cool thing we're starting called Celebrate Recovery. In three weeks, they're having a barbecue. It's kind of a way to check it out. And you can go to this barbecue Friday night, August 21st. It's called Celebrate Recovery. And it's a group that you can get into that can help you really work through some stuff in your life so that you can walk in the freedom that Jesus has for you. Maybe you, you're carrying around hurts and you're like, I just need, this, this hurt is overwhelming me still and I need to find freedom. Maybe you have some habits in your life that have even become addictions and you're like, I need to learn how to walk in freedom in this. Maybe you've got some, some hangups that are holding you back from stepping into the future that Jesus has for you, Celebrate Recovery could be a great group for you. And if you know somebody who could use this, I'd encourage you to spread the word because we would love for people to get into this group and find the freedom that Jesus has for them. So that starts in just three weeks. And I felt like I had to just put that plug in because it fits so well right here because a lot of us, our past is holding us back. And you don't have to live that way. You can walk in freedom. Check out Celebrate Recovery. Spread the word. So, Paul says this. This is the one thing that I do. This is one thing. I am pressing on after Jesus. I want to gain him. I want to be in him. I want to be found in him. I really want to know him. I'm pressing on toward Jesus. That's my one thing. So, what's your one thing? If you were to narrow down your life into one thing, what is that? What's your one? We know what Paul's one thing is, right? I don't know. We got lots of stuff, lots of responsibilities, lots of things that we've got to do. But if you had to choose one thing, what is that one thing for you? And I hope that it would line up with really what Paul is showing us right here. This needs to be our one thing. Jesus needs to be our one thing. That we go after him above everything else in life. We make him our one thing. Now, Jesus himself, in his great teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he helped us have the same perspective. He's saying, here's what I want you to go after first. He says, seek first my kingdom. That's the first thing that needs to be on our heart and on our life. I love how the, mess, or the, the passion translation says this. Matthew 6, is where this is recorded. It says, so above all, Jesus is saying, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom. 
and the righteousness that proceeds from him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly and all those things that Jesus has been talking about, the things that we worry about. But he's saying, go after me first. Chase after me, my kingdom, my presence. Put me first. We wanna live the God first life. That's, that, that's our goal. And this is really what Paul is saying. This, this is what I'm all about. Jesus is first. He's the one that I'm pressing on towards. So verse 14 again, he says this, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul's using sports language here, which I really like, kind of identify with that. Talking about winning the prize, winning the goal, you know, as athletes, they love to train, prepare themselves for the goal, for the prize. In athletics, only one person or one team is the one actually gets that, Right? But the good news is for us, we can all achieve the goal. We can all achieve the prize in our relationship with Jesus. But here's the deal. It's hard to press on when there is no goal. And that's where a lot of us find ourselves feeling right now. When it feels like it keeps going on and on and on, there's no end to this. There's no goal. I just kind of lost sight. Everything feels dark. and we just, That's when we really feel like throwing in the towel, right? But when you know there's a goal, when you know there's a prize, there's more motivation for you to press on. You hear what I'm saying here? You have a calling from God to be with him in heaven forever. And I'm here to say, don't allow anything you go through in life to hinder you from making it to the end. And the goal actually just is even better than making it to the end and being with Jesus forever. The goal is that you and I would be found in Jesus today to be in relationship with him today, you and I can actually experience heaven today because of Jesus. So Jesus is the goal. And the good news is that all of you and I can achieve the prize of Jesus. We can all win in this, in this race called Christianity. And it's all going after Jesus. He's the goal. He's the goal. So let's bring this thing home here. Last couple of verses. Paul says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. And so he uses the word mature. Like that word? Mature. Aren't you glad you're mature? Not like other people who aren't mature, right? There's lots of other people that you know that are not mature, but you are. Right? Am I talking to the right people? Second service, you are mature. First service, they're kind of iffy. Second service, mature people, right? (laughs) So interesting language. Those of you who are mature should think this way. Paul several times in, in his letter to the Philippians talks about how we should think having the mind of Christ. We want to think on these things. In fact, a few, a few, in a few weeks, we're really going to hone in on our thought life. Several times, this is kind of a theme, like Paul is saying, you want to make sure you think the right way. And so in regards to maturity, he's, he's wanting us to think the right way. Okay, so I don't want to take a moment and define maturity and what maturity is, but I do want to talk about how maturity thinks. Okay, so maturity because again, he's saying this, those of us mature to think this way. If you think otherwise, he's, he says, God is going to reveal that to you. But true maturity has to embrace humility. True maturity has to have a mindset of humility. See, maturity recognizes that it's not all about me. 
The world does not revolve around me and my stuff and my family and my opinions, whatever. It's not about me. Maturity recognizes I'm in process. I'm still learning. I got a lot more to learn. I got a lot of growth that still needs to to take place in my life. Now, Paul is actually addressing some people who feel like they've arrived. That's one of the, the false doctrines that's going on here in the church of Philippi. They feel like, I have attained it. I've already obtained this. And Paul's like, no, I haven't, I haven't even obtained this yet. I'm still in process, but they had this false thinking that they had arrived per, into perfection. But Paul's like, perfection will not take place until we step into eternity. In the meantime, we're all in process. We're all still growing. And it requires humility for you and I to actually live that way to actually think that way, to think I'm still in process. Pride would say, I got it all figured out. Humility would say, I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Maturity embraces humility. If you want to really walk in maturity, you have to walk in humility. And I want to encourage us to have the same attitude that Paul is having right here. The same attitude that he's demonstrating to us. He's been telling us lots of truth. Now he's showing us how to respond to truth. And that is with this attitude of humility. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. There's so much more. I haven't arrived. So what do I do? I press on. I press on towards Jesus. Let's press on in humility. In fact, the truth is you and I can't press on if we're full of pride. If we're full of ourselves. We think we're there. But humility enables us to realize I got to keep pressing on. Catch what I'm saying? If we're going to grow... We can't grow when we're full of pride. We have to have this attitude of humility that recognizes I still have a lot of growth that needs to take place in my life. Growth requires humility. Pride's going to push away growth. In fact, pride's going to push away people. If you want to make a difference in people's lives, you can't do it with pride. You got to do it with humility, right? Because pride will push away people. Pride actually pushes away God, his word tells us. So we got to walk in humility. If we really want to know Jesus, if we really want to get as close to him as we possibly can, if we really want to get all that Jesus has for us in this life with him and from him, it will require humility from all of us. In fact, it requires humility just to come to Jesus, doesn't it? Maybe you are here today, maybe you're watching, listening online and You've never said yes to Jesus, and I would encourage you to do so today. You and I were created to be in relationship with our creator. Jesus loves you so much that he went through the cross for you so that you and I could experience that forgiveness of our sins. He took our sins on the cross so that we could come to him, believe in him, accept him, and begin relationship with him. But it requires humility for you and I to recognize yeah, I've messed up and I need you, Jesus, what you did for me in my life. Maybe today's a day for you to say yes to Jesus for the first time. And I recognize that it does require some humility. And this is, t- this is a tough thing for us. For us to come to this place where we realize, I don't have it all figured out. Oh, maybe all these thoughts I've had aren't accurate. I really do need Jesus. Jesus, I believe in you and I need you, that requires humility. I would encourage you in humility to make that decision. And for all of us, my encouragement to this, my word to you today is this. Press on. Press on. 
Do you receive that? Do you hear that today? Press on. You know, I'm thankful that we serve a Jesus who didn't quit either. We saw Paul's accolades. Paul went through stuff and he never gave up. What an example Paul is, right? But how about Jesus, our Savior? Think about all that he went through for us out of this immense, incredible love that he had for us. He could have at any time given up and thrown in the towel. Jesus also experienced that 39 lashes. Let's say again, the 40th one would have killed the person. Let's stop at 39. But he was, he was whipped. And with every whip, I'm sure the enemy's yelling at him. Satan saying, quit, give up, throw in the towel, quit. Jesus never gave up. He could have. He could have said, I'm just teasing. Now I'm not really the Messiah. I'm not really God. I can't go through this. This is too difficult. He could have done that at any moment, but he never gave up. He threw a cross on him. He carried his cross to a hill called Calvary, and they began to hammer him to that cross. And with every hammering of those nails, I'm sure that Satan's yelling, quit. Give up, Jesus. It's not too late. Give up. But I'm thankful our Savior never gave up. I'm thankful he never threw in the towel. You know why he didn't do that? Because he wanted you to know that someday you're going to feel like you couldn't make it. Someday you're going to feel like, I can't press on. I got to give up. And Jesus wanted you to know that you could count on him. He didn't give up on you. And he will be there for you no matter what you go through. He will strengthen you and he will empower you. And you can press on as you press into him. I'm thankful that our Savior never gave up, ever, ever. Don't you quit. Don't you give up. Press on. Press on. You got a calling. It is a high calling to not just be with God forever in heaven, but to experience Him and experience heaven right now and to be found in Christ right now. He will strengthen and empower you to press on. You with me? Come on, if you're with me, stand to your feet. Come on right now, stand to your feet. We're going to make this our prayer. We're going to press on. And here's how we're going to do it. We're just going to get our praise on again, all right? We're going to worship. I know some of you are feeling overwhelmed. Some of you, maybe you're discouraged. Some of you feel like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't even know if I have what it takes. But I'm here just to encourage you with these words. Press on. Press on. Because Jesus wants to help you, empower you, and walk with you. It's not about you being perfect. It's about you and I trusting in him. Allowing him to help us press on. Press on. And so I'm going to lead us in prayer. My prayer is that we would allow God by his spirit to just fill us. Strengthen us, encourage us. And that we would make a decision right now. We're going to resolve right now. I will press on right now in this time in my life. No matter what you're going through. I don't know everything, but God does. So I will press on. I will press on. I will keep worshiping. I found myself in a place that I didn't want to be, but I will keep worshiping. I will press on. Maybe today's the day that you're going to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to pray that as well. And if that's your prayer, I'm going to pray a prayer of asking for forgiveness of your sins. Commit to Jesus and then press on to follow him and go after him for the rest of your life. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, right now, we're so thankful that you are our God, our Savior, our Lord who never, ever gave up on us. And for that reason, we know that you really are faithful, that we can count on you even in our darkest hour. 
Lord, I'm just praying and believing as, as my friends continue to worship you and look to you, that the darkest hour of the night, you're going to begin to shake some things in their life. Chains are going to fall off. They're going to begin to step into a new season. But in the meantime, right now, they're making a decision to worship you. They're going to press on in that. Would you give them a strength, a fortitude, a grit to press on? Or for those that need to say yes to you that are recognizing they need you and they just sense in this overwhelming feeling of just humility of coming to this place and realizing they need you, Lord, would you meet them right where they're at? Your grace would be so amazing for them right now. As they ask for forgiveness of their sins and look to you, God, forgive them, refresh them, set them free, encourage them, empower them to press on, to serve you and to follow you and to trust you for the rest of their life. Lord, that's our prayer for all of us right now, that we would follow you, serve you, trust you all the days of our life. And so again, today we're making that decision to worship you and to press on. again for listening to this message of Bell Road Church. We hope you enjoyed it and that God spoke to you through it. Be sure to connect with us online via Twitter, Facebook, and at bellroadchurch.com.